Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. I feel like I have a word for you today, and I don't feel like this is just a sermon. I feel like I want to deliver a prophetic word to you today about the words, it is finished. And uh, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I hope you're ready, because it is finished. I want you to grab your neighbor on the other side, the one you you rejected just now, and let him know I see you too. It's finished for you too. (laughs) John chapter 19, verse number 28, uh, lets us in on this moment where Jesus said, it is finished. And uh, it's not the first time he said it is finished. In fact, as you're turning there in John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said, it is my food. It's my food to do the will of my father and to finish his work. Somebody say his work. Jesus was all about finishing God's work. He, he was a finisher. Come on, somebody. we have any finishers in this room? I, I want to encourage you because a, a lot of times we get caught up in our passion. But God's passion was to do the will of the Father. God didn't have his own agenda when he showed up. He had the Father's agenda. Jesus said, it's not my food to be the best. It's not my food to own this. It's not my food to get out of debt. It's not my food to work at this place or that place or have these friends or to get married or, or whatever it is that we've made our food. In fact, I want to tell you, if you've made that your food, it will become your poison. And I'm just telling you from this side of it, I'm 37 now. I haven't been through everything, but I have been through some things. And I've made people-pleasing my food. I've made church my food. I've made religion my food. I've made music my food. I've made my dreams my food. But Jesus had it down, man. He said, my food is to do the will of the Father and to finish whose work? His work. And that's what he did on the cross in John chapter 19, verse 28. Say, it is finished. Later, knowing that everything had been finished... So the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was brought there. So they soaked it in a sponge and they put it on a sponge on a stalk of hispis plant. And they lifted it to Jesus's lips. You picture this scene on the cross. Jesus is thirsty. He knows that everything has been finished. But so that scripture will be fulfilled. He cried out, I am thirsty. They grabbed this oil and vinegar and they put it on a sponge and they lifted it, his disciples, to Jesus and he drank. And then Jesus said these words. What did he say? Come on, say it like you mean it. What did he say? Come on, say it like that crazy person at a scary movie yelling at the movie. Ready? One, two, three. Throw some popcorn on someone. Come on. It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now that some of versions say gave up the ghost. I just like how that sounds. Yeah, and I noticed from this that, that the cross didn't kill Jesus. The nails didn't kill Jesus. The Roman soldiers didn't kill Jesus. Jesus killed Jesus. Because my Bible says he caught that everything was done. Everything was, uh, all the T's were crossed and all the I's were dotted. 
He fulfilled his role saying, I am thirsty. Then with his own words, he said, it is finished. His own word was the thing that gave up his life. How powerful is the word of God? In fact, this whole moment, this whole scene, this whole, uh, uh, this whole drama that plays out, and just let you know, this is a romantic drama. So if you're into romantic dramas, uh, this gospel is a romantic drama. It's not just for weird people. It's for normal people who want to get free. And Jesus comes up and he says these beautiful, eloquent words, I'm thirsty. If you're an actor in this room, you can picture Jesus in this incredible moment. He's dying on the cross, and he has this moment to just fulfill his word, his scripture. And, and we constantly notice Jesus fulfilling the Father's words over his life. We know that there were over 450 prophecies spoken about Jesus before he ever came to this earth. People thousands of years before he would ever be born to say, here's where the Messiah will come, and here's the town he will be born in, and here's the family and the line and, 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 the, and the scheme. If you ever open the book of Matthew, you'll see uh, Jesus's line of where he came from. This is his grandfather, and the reason why they did that is they are showing you this is the line that the Savior was supposed to come through because it was prophesied it will come through the line of David, and, and he, here's how God worked his magic through the story. Here's from the beginning in Adam and Eve, and God makes a promise, and, and you can find out that whenever God makes a promise, he will fulfill his promise. Even if it feels delayed. Even if it feels like there's some time on that thing. Even if it feels like it's dead in the middle. God will fulfill his promise. He will not just fulfill his promise to you, he will feel, fulfill his promise to his enemies. He spoke to the, the, the devil in the garden, and he said, because you have robbed me of relationship with man, through the seed of man, I will send one who will, you'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. And ever since that promise, the devil is like, maybe God's just forgot. Maybe he's not going to be good on it. But I want to tell you that when God makes a promise, he keeps his promises. Jesus shows up. 4,000 years after the garden. You say, how, did, how is the garden so old? I thought the earth was older than that. Couldn't have God put time in the earth? If he put time in the tree, he put time in the bird. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Probably the chicken, because God spoke and animals appeared. They were flying, they were swimming. I haven't seen any baby chickens flying. If God put time in the chicken, God put time in the man, he put time in the woman, he could put time in the earth. 4,000 years, Jesus shows up. For that 4,000 years, the devil's looking for God's man. The devil's looking for the seed coming, but he couldn't find him. Even the fact when Jesus showed up, the devil's still trying to figure out, is this the guy? He's testing him. Hey, if you're God, you could throw yourself off this mountain and angels would save you. And Jesus is like, hey, I ain't coming out of the covers that fast. I'm an undercover brother. I came to set some people free. Even Jesus' disciples didn't know who he was. In fact, when he died, they all ran, except for one. His mom was at his gravesite, but not Peter. Why? Because they didn't really believe he was who he was. But Jesus had a plan. He had a master plan, or the master's plan. And his plan was to finish what God said in the garden. And from the cross, Jesus 
cries out seven famous statements, but his sixth was, it is finished. Today we're here to celebrate the empty tomb. Three greatest words that I could ever think that have ever been uttered out of anybody's mouth are, it is finished. I know this didn't mean much to you coming in, and we're, we're kind of shouting it because I'm telling you to, but, but I really believe by the end of this thing, you're going to shout at fear, it is finished. I really believe by the end of this thing, you're going to shout at your anxiety, it is finished. I, I really believe there's going to be a new power and new passion in those words, and they won't just be empty blank words that a pastor is uttering. You're going to look at your financial lack and say, it is finished. You're going to look at the abuse that they put on you and you're going to say, it is finished. You're going to look at the wounds that you still are walking with in this thing and say, I know I got the wounds, but it is finished. When Jesus uttered that from the cross, they would have known what it meant. Sometimes reading the Bible, we lose the power because we are in the 21st century. We don't have crucifixions. We don't, we don't speak the language they spoke. But the language he uttered, the words he uttered, was not actually three words, but it was one. Telostro. He cried it out. Telostro. It would have echoed through the Roman guards. They would have been confused by what he was saying. As they're standing watching this man with love in his eyes, passion in his heart. The stuff we're doing to him should have killed him, but he's not dead yet. And he cries out, Telostro. His followers that were there would have heard those words and it would have confused them for a second because it was not a word you would have heard on the cross. It was not a word you would have heard in this environment because it was an accounting term. It was a mathematical term. It was what they stamped at the end of your taxes when you paid your bill. It is finished. You've paid the price to go free. You've paid the tax on the bill. Jesus, <laughs> any accountants in the room? Come on, we need some taxes next year. Okay, good. Jesus right there on the cross was an accountant. He said, it's been paid in full, Father. It is finished. And the stamp came down. And the ink was his blood. And you and I have been given the papers. You see, the Bible is not a book. Huh. If you think it's just a book, you're in for a lot of trouble. Because religion always hurts. It's not a book. It's a love letter written to the destined about decisions. It's been written in his blood with his thoughts about you. When he said it is finished, they would have heard the transaction has been complete. The funds went through. No more debt left. You see, Jesus said many crazy things that today, if we could really go there, you see, they had been trying to pay the debt since Adam. They had been bringing lambs and rams and, and sacrifices and offerings. And, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just to give God a gift. It was to pay for all the pain and all the garbage and all the junk so they could make their relationship right with God. In fact, God said this. He said, I had to send my son 
The Bible says in John 3.16, for God so, what does it say? For God was so angry at the world. For God was so mad at your sin. For God was so irritated at you. For God was so disappointed. No, for God was so loved us that he gave. Many of us think we want to put the word he forgave. It doesn't say that. God so loved the world that he forgave. Because he was just so wealthy, he could just forgive it. He could just pay it. Boom. Get him out. That's what I got. I got enough to pay it. But, but he said, no, a, a payment of an angel won't do. A payment of a gold won't do. You know, no, I'm, I'm going to hold up to my word. I said that I'm going to send one through the seed of man. And, and if, 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 as soon as Adam and Eve ate of the apple, they became dead. And so the only way to pay for death is with life. So Jesus came and took our place. He paid in full. God didn't forgive you. He gave to you. And because of what he gave, you can be forgiven. We keep crying out, God, would you forgive me? He's like, no, no, you missed the first part. I gave to you. You don't have to ask me for anything. I already did it. Now walk in my forgiveness. Walk in the grace that I have on your life because I paid the price so you can walk in that. I already paid it. You're like, hey, can I pay? No, you can't pay it. Stop trying to pay it. Stop working on it. Stop trying to be good. I don't want you to be good. I want you to be my kids. It says this, uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. It says, he did not enter by the blood of goats or calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, obtaining eternal redemption. Somebody say redemption. So for years, the people of God were paying on the debt they owed the minimum payment. When I, when I was in college, uh, I got this horrible thing happened. The devil tried to come at me, Bible college, came at me through my finances, and they sent me this golden plastic thing in the mail. I think they got the wrong name, but it sent to my name, and I turned it on. It was called a credit card. And in college, man, I, I didn't have a lot of stuff, and I liked stuff. And I, I was visiting a surf shop one time, and I looked over. I wasn't very good at surfing, but they had, they had gotten a, a used snowboard in. I looked at the snowboard. It talked to me. It spoke to me. It glimmered. And I'm in college, probably four hours from the snow. No need to go snowboarding. No money to even go snowboarding. But I thought, I got to have it. Got this new credit card. It was speaking to me. This is what the Lord did. I thought it was the enemy. God gave me this credit card to get this snowboard. So I got the snowboard, $600. And for six years, I paid the minimum payment. (laughs) My wife didn't know that when we got engaged, that I had a minimum payment going on. (laughs) Took us three more years to pay that thing off. It's the most expensive snowboard anybody has ever ridden. I still got it. I don't even care if I ever use it. I just put it there and just say, you see that snowboard? Son, you're inheriting that snowboard. That is an expensive, I don't care what it says it's worth on eBay. That's an expensive, I I paid the minimum payment for six years. The people of God paid the minimum payment for 4,000 years on the debt that they owed and they never got out of debt. Guess what happens when you pay the minimum payment? You get more debt and more debt and more debt, 
and more debt and more debt and more debt. This is what happens when you try to work for your salvation. This is what happens when you try to please God by doing. This is what happens when you try to be good. Here I am, God, I'm paying the minimum payment. I'm bringing my lamb, my ram. I'm trying. No, no, God's like, no, no, don't pay the minimum payment. I paid it off, baby. I already paid it in full. It is finished. You don't have to pay for it anymore. You don't have to grind this out. You don't have to earn it. And I wouldn't tell you this because you're mature and you're Christians and you love God and all this stuff, but I'm finding this out in my life. I'm learning this in my life. I mean, I sat with a counselor just weeks ago and I said, I don't understand why he loves me. Can I just be real? I mean, I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't get why does it, what do I, I didn't do anything. And every time I do something good, then I do 10 things bad. Not just sin, I miss it, man. I try, here's my goal, and then I get here, okay, next year. And then, oh, next year, we're going to do it next year. It's going to happen next. And I'm always missing. And I'm like, okay, this is now getting embarrassing. This is getting awkward. Why does he love me? Why is it paid for when all I keep doing is paying the minimum payment? He goes, you're paying on something I already paid for. He said, I'm a dad. Dads don't love because of what you do. At least real dads. You know, when I, when I, when we had our children... I hadn't met them yet. I mean, they were just in the womb. And I'm just talking to Lyric. Hey. It's awkward, you know, when a woman's pregnant, you're talking to her belly. But really, you just feel something. They say if you talk to a child in the womb, they, they know your voice better. So we'd read to her belly. And I, I fell in love with my daughter. And guess what? I hadn't even seen her yet. She, she didn't perform for me yet. She didn't do anything to earn my love. I was just in love with her. You know why I was in love with her? because of who I am. You know why God loves you? Because he is love. He, he can't help. It's not about what you do. It's about who he is. He is love. He is a father. He, he doesn't need you to be something or, or, or be formed a certain way or, or perform a certain way. He loves you just how you are. And guess what? He said this. I sent my son to die on the cross while you were still sinners. While in your worst most jacked phase, I chose to love you that way when no one else could love you, when no one else could see you. And you may feel that way right now. And God wants to tell you one thing. I'm not mad at you. I'm madly in love with you. You have my heart. Stop playing with my heart. He's saying, stop breaking my heart. You're hurting my heart. Stop working for it. If you could earn it, I'm not God. And then he'd take it deeper. Can we take it deeper? Is that okay? You give me a few more minutes. Titus 2.14 says this, and we heard this word redeem earlier, and we're going to see that as a theme throughout what God was doing. Jesus came to finish the work. Titus 2.14 says, who, he was him, Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem. Somebody say redeem us from all wickedness, not just some, all wickedness, and to purify for himself a people of his very own. So when you receive Christ, you receive purity. I don't care how many times you've slept with people. I don't care how many needles have been in your arms. When you receive Jesus, you didn't receive half. You didn't receive part. I don't care what the devil keeps trying to bring up. You receive perfect purity. The okay. Some people are getting excited about that because they're like, dude, I was pretty not pure. Thank you, Jesus. I got a lot of credit cards in my pocket right now. 
He redeemed you from all weakness, a people of his very own. 1 Corinthians 6.20. For you were bought with a price. Ephesians, uh, and that word bought is, is a special word. It actually means to ransom. Now tell me when's the last time someone ransomed, paid a ransom on someone they didn't know. Someone they didn't love. You know, someone calls your phone, hey, I got Billy. Give me all your savings. You're like, uh, is this the wrong number? Did you butt dial me? I mean, what's happening? But they call me and say, hey, I got, I got Lyric. If you don't show up at two o'clock with this amount of money, she'll be gone. How many of you guys know I will empty everything I have? I will empty your bank account and your friend's bank account. Because that's a ransom. So God is saying, you were ransomed with a price. Meaning, I'm your father. I didn't just pay Jesus because you're just nobody to me. I love you. And I was willing to give empty heaven of all of its power. Okay. Woo-hoo, that's awesome. Ephesians 1.7 says this, in him we have redemption through his blood. That word redemption again and forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.12, and we, we read that already. And then Galatians 4.7, so you are no longer a slave but a son. Or and this version says, but a child of God. And since you are children of God, God has also made you an heir. He's giving you inheritance. John 8.35, now... 835, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, I read all those because they they all paint a picture of what God was trying to say to us. And and many people wonder, why did God spend 4,000 years waiting to come to this earth? I believe that he was waiting for time to catch up to what he wanted to say. He was waiting for the right people to discover the right methods and the right culture and the right everything so that all these situations would broadcast what he was trying to say to us from the beginning. In this culture, to understand really what God was trying to say, we have to go to their culture. We have to go to what they would have heard when they heard these scriptures read. They would have heard redemption. They would have heard this this to buy back. They would have heard ransom. And then we heard the word slave. We heard that if you're you're a slave, you're not a son. But whoever the son sets free becomes a son, becomes an heir. So we hear this terminology and this wording. Now, now the word to redeem in this actually has two different words that, that they use in the, in the original text. I, I believe they have them up there because I was trying to read them in the first thing, and I just want you to see it. The first word is this. This word means to ransom you out of. That's what this word means. The, the, when you see the word redeemed in the Bible, sometimes they use this word, to ransom you out of. The other word that they use is this word. And what this word meant is to buy back from the slave market. That's, that's the wording from this, to redeem, to buy back from the slave market. Now, I started studying this because that, that sounded funny to me. I, it, didn't really, it didn't really fit with what I was reading. But God, then I see these words. Uh, you are no longer slaves, but you are sons. And so I started studying the Roman culture. And in their culture, they had slaves, they own slaves. We, we see the Gladiator movie. This is where that came from. The Gladiator movie, if you were a fit slave, you became a gladiator. You would fight in the arena to the death 
to make your owners money, and they would watch. It was a blood sport. Uh, we, we, we see all throughout uh, the Bible, you know, we see the talk about slaves. This is because this was a, an area, an issue in their culture, just as it was in America years ago, and we are not proud of that. We are not excited about that, and, and it is disheartening to even hear that that happened then and in Rome, but it happened. So we got to go back there and we got to see what is God trying to say to us because he keeps using this terminology with sin and, and, and the slave market and to be bought back. So I started studying and, and I, found, I found that they actually had markets just like we have a farmer's market. Now, how horrible is this? Where they would sell people. If you, if you weren't the top priority, you got sold in the back alley, man. And, and you were treated like, not like a person, you were treated like a product. Many, many of the slaves, as, as they, were, they were treated, they would be put on uh, different boxes. I, I need a few. I need Ben Murdy. I need Jordan. I want you guys to come up. I need Amanda. Come up. And I want you guys to stand on these boxes for me. And, and I want you, I, I have, I have a, a, just a, a, a thing for you to write on. And I want you to write on this. Uh, some of the words that have been spoken over you in your slave markets of life. Some of the things that life or people or you say over yourself. Some of the words you hear that maybe come from the enemy. Some of the, some of the things that you, you're struggling with. Some of the things that you wish were finished in your life. Some of the, some of the half-truths that have been given to you. Some of the, the things, even though you, you, you know, that's not the truth. You hear it in your head. Maybe it was a word like loser. And it wouldn't have been a big deal, but it was your dad who said it. Five. And your brain couldn't handle it. And your heart wasn't able to go, no, I'm not a loser. He's a loser. All of a sudden, you took that on. And for the rest of your life, you've been trying to be a winner to prove him wrong. Maybe it wasn't what your dad didn't do or did. It was what he didn't do. Maybe he never played catch with you. And because he didn't, you had to learn how to play catch. You had to work. You had to learn how to do, be your own man, do your own things, cook in your own kitchen. And because of that, you feel like God can't do anything for you because you got to do it for yourself. And what they would do to these slaves is when someone would come to purchase a slave, they had full rights to test the products. If they were wearing clothes, they could ask them to be stripped naked so they could expect every area of their body. Most of them were on rotating containers so they could see the front and the back and the sides. And if someone was strong or brave, they would find out through, through either abusing them verbally or physically. They, they would come up to them and in their face and say, hey, you idiot! The slave was not allowed to talk back. And the tougher the slave could handle the words, the more they'd be worth. Because they didn't want to take it out on their wife or their son they would yell at their slaves. They would punch them or kick them or pull their teeth out or rip their beard out. They would abuse them. Whatever they wanted. In fact, slaves were so not people in their minds that if you were to kill a slave, there is no punishment that would come. You could kill your slave. And no one would call the police. No Roman guards would come for you. Because it was just your product that you were done with. Jesus is painting this picture. I came to buy you back out of the slave market. I came to take you out. 
I came to purchase you from all the disappointment, all the failure. I came to buy you back from the worthlessness they said about you, from the not good friend, from the abuse, from the not good enough. I came to buy you back from won't make it, from won't be successful, from won't have to prove yourself. I I came to... But the owner of the slaves all said, no, money won't do. We need an exchange. That's why Jesus didn't come with money. He didn't come with bricks from heaven. He came to be the exchange. You know what's crazy about slaves? You know what the punishment for slaves were? If you got out of line, it was crucifixion. If you did something wrong, it was scourging. How unique is it that Jesus died a slave's death? How unique is it that he was whipped for my transgressions. He was pierced for my pain. How unique is it? Is it just by chance? Because right now we just celebrate the cross and we think that's a religious thing. No, that was a slave thing. That was how they crucified. The two on his right and left, they were slaves that had stolen. And he looked at both of them and said, today if you want, today if you want, you can receive my forgiveness. And one lived with them in paradise and one went somewhere else. He didn't have to, but he was paying his payment. Jesus said, you don't have to pay. I paid for you. You know what Jesus did? He came and took your place. He said, no, no, no. You're not going to abuse my child anymore. I'm taking his place. No more pain. You are free. Whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. This is what the cross was about. Jesus was taking all your stuff, all your, all your pain, all your wounds, all your hurt, and we're still trying to earn this stuff that we're dealing with. We're still trying to figure out how am I going to deal with fear? How am I going to deal with their abuse? And Jesus is saying, you don't have to. Paid in full. It is finished. I stood on the block. I stood on the auction. Isn't it unique that Jesus died naked? He was stripped of his garments. His beard was ripped out at the slave market. And the ones that the that the owner couldn't guarantee they would be worth their weight, they would put a, a hat on them. Isn't it unique that Jesus wore a hat, a crown of thorns? Isn't it unique that he wore a sign, King of the Jews? Jesus was taking our place. He was buying us back from the slave market. He was setting us free. And what we have to gather, folks, is that we could either stand outside his grace with who we used to be, Or we could come stand behind his grace and let the world see that no matter that I'm a failure, no matter that I've missed the mark, no matter that I haven't been perfect, it is finished. He paid the debt. I know what the receipt says, but did you see the other side? It says it is finished. It doesn't matter what they did to you, what they said to you, what you did to somebody else. It is finished. It is is finished. But we want to stand out here. We want to stay on our soapbox of pain. We want to stay and remind God and remind ourselves that we're a failure. We want to do this to each other. Man, he's just a disappointment, that guy. I wish God could do something great with his life, but I guess not. 
We, we keep people on the slave block. We keep people on the punishment of who they used to be. I love this word, it is finished, because you know what it means? It's a verb that stands for the past, the present, and the future. When Jesus said these words, he said, your past is paid for. Your present is paid for. And whatever happens in the future, I got your back, baby. Don't worry about it. See, many, I've met many people say, man, I would give my life to Jesus, but I don't know what's going to happen with all this stuff I got. What happens tomorrow when I wake up and I want to go back to the needle? It's paid for. It's finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is over. It is finished. Jesus stamped it once and for all. Let's let, stop letting the devil put us back on this block and mock us and beat us and abuse us. Let's let our past be our testimony. Let it be a victory. Won't you stand behind that? It is finished. Won't you stand behind that? It is finished. Won't you stand behind that? It is finished. And this is what I want to do. This is what I came to do in LA. I came to tell the good news to a bunch of people. God is not mad at you. He was madly in love with you and is still madly in love with you he always has been in love with you and he came and took your place so you wouldn't have to stand as an item anymore but you could be a son and a daughter of the most high God and we stand behind his grace and we proclaim I'm not perfect but it's finished every death sentence every hurt every wound every word sometimes you got to look at yourself in the mirror and go it is finished you got to speak to your flesh that keeps trying to bring it up and dig it up and trying to put you back on that slave block. And you know who that is? That's the enemy lying to you. And he's the father of lies. But we're going to stand with truth today. We're going to stand with what he said today. It is finished. It is finished. It's over. My depression's over. My anxiety's over. My sickness is over. My As the piano comes, you can get out of, <laughs> we should take off your wrist things too in there because there's freedom in there. You're not bound in there. Guys, your testimony is the greatest thing you have. What they said about you, what they did, where you've been. See, success is not about where you're at. It's about where you've come from to where you're at. Some of you have, Dude, you've been some dark places. And the greater the place you've come from, the greater the success. Look at the beauty that Jesus is displaying through your life. To say, yeah, look at all that. No, my payment was enough. I love that every picture that they painted of Jesus, they didn't paint him naked. I mean, some of us probably think, oh, they didn't do that because it would be awkward. No, they loved painting naked people back then. They, they had, there's tons of naked people in that era. It was not because of that. You ever seen the pictures of Jesus they painted? They have them in a loincloth. Today I was, I was like, why? It just, it just hit me. Why did they paint him in a loincloth? They weren't worried about people being naked. Jesus was naked. But they painted him how they seen him. Not how he was. In fact, I read that the only slave that got to wear loincloths were gladiators. When they saw Jesus, they didn't see someone that was weak and defeated. They saw a gladiator in the arena paying with his blood for a generation to be free. They painted a loincloth on him because they honored him. He was a fighter. He didn't die because they killed him. He died because he said it was done. He didn't say, I am done. I am finished. He said, it is finished. 
What if we just grab the prom that promise today? So you know what? It's finished. I'm not going to keep dabbling in this stuff that's already done. I'm not going to keep worrying about it. I'm not going to keep fearing about it. It's done. Can I tell you this? It doesn't matter how far you are from God right now. How much you think, how, how old you are. It is never too late to receive his love. It is never, you are still alive and breathing. God has so much for you. And the greater the pain, the greater your worship will be. I'm tired of the devil putting me on this slave, Mark. I am not a slave. I am a son. I am chosen. And I'm not just a son, I'm an heir. I'm an heir to his peace. I'm an heir to his glory. I'm an heir to his grace. He has chosen me. He has, he has put me in the will. You know, the only way for a slave to go free was either one way, two ways. One way was the master would write his name in his book. Then God say, when you get home, your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Number two was that your owner died so you were free that's why jesus had to die because he bought you with his life and he died so that you could be free to make choices that's why you're free to not have to love god you're free you're not a slave to my love either you're not a slave to religion either you're not a slave to my relationship either why because that's not real relationship that's not real love you are free if you want to love me back, go ahead. But I'm not stopping loving you. Hey, here's how I picture God. It's just like pouring out. It's just like, Jeremy, you can hide, but you can't. You can run, you can hide, but you can't run and you can't hide because I'm God. I'm going to keep loving you. If I don't love you here at church, I'm going to love you at 7-Eleven. If I don't love you at 7-Eleven, I'm going to find you at Walmart. If I don't find you at Walmart, I'm coming to you at a classroom. I don't care how I do it. I'm going to keep pouring till you receive that I love you. I love you. I lo you say, why do you keep saying that? Because sometimes it takes a couple times to hear it to break through all the noise and all the religious things we've built up. I got to do this, this, and this. And God's there. No, no. Do nothing. Just say, okay. I'll receive what you did for me. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.